Amen, Jesus. Isn't good, God? Listen, I just saw some things. I'll tell you those, and then uh, I'll tell you what's in my heart. I'm so happy that my wife, Maria, is here with me. I tell you, I travel so much. Hi, honey. She's way in the back. She knows that I'm a Latin preacher, and she doesn't want to have to pull out her umbrella. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All of you up in here in the front, you're braver than I thought. <laughs> and um, no, man, I'm, I'm on the road so often that when I'm home and she's with me, it's like home is where she is, you know. It's just a crazy thing and a crazy season. I'm trying to park this or land this plane. I was talking uh, to the Milhams today, just cut back and sow in New England. I feel that New England's about to get a rude awakening before a great awakening. <laughs> but it's all good. Come on, say amen. We need it, man. We need to be shook up. And drive the religious devils right out of us. Come on, can you shake it off right now? I tell you, some of us that have been in the river for a long time, we need to forget what lies behind and reach what was coming. Because we think the things were cool when everybody was shaking and baking and having all the moves. But God wants substance. Come on, God wants substance. And, and we need to really go into the deeper places of the river where uncontrolled reality uh, really helps to forge character. And uh, we need to grow up. Come on, right? Can you handle this? I'm, I just met you. I don't want to insult you the first day I get you. Show you all my moves in one night, you know. <laughs> I'm a horrible dancer, so you don't want to see that, honest. Um, but just, you know, we just need to get over the hump. It was fun. The 90s and 2000s, they were fun. And that God had to show us his father heart and how intimate his love is. And, I, and if, you know, we need to keep pressing into friendship with God. Um, but, um, you know, even in the best of marriages, leave the bedroom and start building houses. Come on, say amen. I'll hit you in a little while. Yeah. And, and you begin to build a future for your family and and it's just not about intimacy only. If the presence of God alone could do it, it would have done it. And if preaching alone could do it, it would have done it. There's a mixture of things. It's like chewing gum and breathing at the same time. Come on. It's like God's trying to get his people to pick it up, people, pick it up. It's like the whole caravan was there and they didn't even realize they had missed Jesus. And the parents have to go look for the kids. And... Um, you know, and, and it's like the, it's like they did the ark of da the, the tent of David with the ark in the middle, and the whole time the mosaic temple was going full blast without the ark. And we really need both. And we need it at home, and we need it here, and we need it in our houses, wherever we gather. We need it in our boardrooms, in our classrooms. We need it in our business. Come on, somebody, right? Yeah. I, I know that Chris always talks about work is worship. It's a fact. 70% of our time in our offices and God only wants us to worship in 30%. How many know that's just not right? And there's a, a posture that you don't go to work to get a paycheck. You go there on a kingdom assignment. And that there's something in us that God wants to release uh, over our places of uh, whether you have your own business or whether you're working for somebody else. It, it should be like when the ark had to hang out in Jeroboam's house, 
because Josiah touched on him properly, everything that man did was blessed. Where the presence is, they should shift the atmosphere. And your businesses and your places of labor, they should be blessed because you're there. They, they should, you should give a testimony of the goodness of God. You should, you should have a radar or your, your, your radar position in different frequencies. So you're able to pick up not just the personal relationship, but the spiritual warfare around the businesses that you're at. And to be able to be those that are intercessors wherever God senses your salt and light. I know you heard it all before, but New England is about to get an awakening of this. To where we're really going to be aware of our superiority of technology against the devil. And that we're actually going to start believing some of the songs we're singing. Come on, right? Say amen to that, right? How many of you are tired of singing songs you don't even believe? <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> it's just like we sing these songs and we don't believe them. And God really wants us to not get like a nice little, you know, panda back in church, but to really equip and release. And we become real sent out ones because God's in the business of all this. Anyways, you're, I'm just rambling. Praise God. So I saw, I saw, um, and this word is a little overplayed, but I, as she said, look, um, I get sometimes uncomfortable when people call me this and that, but I did see apostolic alignment to you guys. And I saw you hearing a different kind of sound, a different kind of word that was starting to ricochet inside your heart. It's not just the prophetic sound or the intercessory sound, but it's also the building sound. It's a sound of things being put together. It's the sound of uh, plumbing. It's the sound of electricity. It's the sound of order and the sound of fearless blueprint following where God will give you, and it's not unholy to follow a blueprint just as long as you let him be the architect. And it's not a, a city with plans. It's, an, it's a foundation that has a city. It's actually different. It's a cornerstone leading. It's the, the bottom actually leading the top, not the other way around. And I see cement trucks around you with fresh cement waiting to be poured out on the cracks of your foundations. I see the Lord shifting and putting in and injecting cement into these places, fortifying even things, even in your own hearts of mistakes that were done in the past that you still linger over the same, that regrets, so to speak. The Lord is cementing those things in the past and, and causing that to be so strong that you're going to be able to put things on top of it and move forward. It's a time of moving forward, a different cadence, a different sound, a different noise from heaven that sounds like things on earth, but it's very, very different. A different motivation and a different cadence to your movement, that your moments become movements and you don't stay, you don't lose, waste time in simply gazing at doors, but actually walking through them. I see... Um, I see... Uh, Brown grass, and let me, let me tell you this, just water it, it'll turn to green. The grass is not greener on the other side. And, and I feel like you just, there's a responsibility to water the brown grass that's going to take you to this next level. You're thinking of different things uh, to bring you forward. Do not buy into the gimmicks, that's not who you are. 
The simple shifts in the kingdom are very simple, very practical. Like throw your net on the other side. Come on. Same fish, same boat, same water, same people. The difference is the voice of the Lord. There's a premium on the voice of God right now. And he's about to speak to you with a different word, like I said before. And you're going to be able to pick it up amidst all the other sounds. That means you got to take time to hear before you move. And you're gonna have, you're gonna hear something very peculiar, and you're gonna hear with seeing. I don't know what that's all. You're gonna hear by seeing some things, even as you used to hear all the time. Some things are taught, some things are caught. There's a catching, and there's a seeing that will cause your hearing to move you into faith and moving forward. I see angelic collaboration. I see, I saw an angel, uh, smiling, kind angel with scissors. In his hand, there's some pruning about to happen. Do not confuse it with discipline. It is for the furthering of things to come. It is uh, cutting away deeper than you would have thought, and it'll be scary because of what will take place. But at the same time, get ready because the growth as a result, if you don't get offended with the Lord, you will be so giddy with the wine that will come. You'll be drunk like a skunk in the joy of the Lord, rejoicing as the house builds itself. Um. You like it as, until he starts cutting. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I didn't really want that. There's a different leadership for this shift. And as, I'm not talking about shifting leaders or people leaving. I'm saying a different way to lead. There's something really profound that's about to happen to you, an encounter. Because I feel your church, I'll just move to the church, this is what I saw. You're moving from wind to breath, to where it's not just the flow of the Holy Ghost, but to up close and personal to a theater near you. He's about to touch and burn sacred cows. There's a major barbecue about to happen in New England. And everybody's going to throw in some beef. These things are going to take place, and they're going to move at a very rapid place. There's people that want speed and other people that want to get slower. Both have his problems. Both need uh, the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of God to guide you through. I saw uh, an angel that had problem-solving skills assigned to you. He was going to give you... Uh, like riddles, solving riddles into puzzles of, of things that would bind up the flow of the river. You're going to attack river beasts and release the apostolic into this land and this quarter. This is an assignment, not your final destination. There is a revival to reality. There is a name he calls you. Every person that come, derives his name from him. There is a stamp coming on you as a ministry. Not just a K-A-M, but there's a name and a purpose and an identity for something further down and a connection, not just with Danny, because I know that's a common link, but it's, it's something very peculiar to the land and to the covenants of this land. 
There's a release and a crying out of covenantal fulfillment of prophetic promises of things that were here as ancient wells that had very little to do with the first and second awakening and everything to do with the purposes that were prophesied over this place long, long time ago to infinity and beyond for y'all. That's a little south right there, girl. <laughs> All right. What else? And I just feel like I heard this Muhammad Ali phrase, flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee. There's a wisdom and a gentleness that you carry. That this meekness, like I see you as father and mother and, and the spirit that you carry. Get ready for the wild horses. They're coming. It's like the ape is about to be formed. Apostolic, prophetic evangelists. There's a, there's a release of monkeys that are going to cause things to be very, very different. You're not going to be able to lead in just quietness and fullness, but in total peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Something unique is about to hit. And even as pop and mom will take their place, others of the age group that we even talked about today are going to come. But he's going to use the Caleb's and the Joshua's to lead the way. This is a multi-generational, not, not a new generational. This is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Come on, receive this. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob covenantal fulfillment. This is the families working together. This is the wise, the ones with no hair, gray hair, and full of hair walking together. This is the pierced ones and the tattooed ones walking around with the wrinkled ones. Don't look at anybody right now when I said that. <laughs> and I just feel, come on, just lift your hand to the Lord right there. I just feel God, breath of God, <laughs> low up into this place. Release strength into their inner man. Release them to this place, to the next place. I shift their season even now, God. According to the words spoken in this very place, from this very spot, let it be done so according to your word, Lord. Eyes wide open. Real estate coming to you. The real estate of things in a real state of matters, in a real piece of land, in a real place, in a real time. Be time of the Lord, the timing of the Lord, perfect in all his ways. I thank you for the angel of reconciliation being released unto them. I thank you for the very boldness and fearlessness they sing about because of love. I thank you, God, make them fishers of men in Jesus' name. Whew, Jesus. Amen. All right, you okay? Oof. That's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> Listen, let me talk to you about shifting seasons and discerning seasons. I love Issachar and the blessing over him because it wasn't just a prophetic. How many of you know? the spirit of Issachar. It wasn't just the knowing the times, but knowing what to do. Now, knowing what to do, for some people that know their time, if you, if you have presuppositions, whether your eschatology is like this or like that, then you begin to do the times according to your bent, which doesn't necessarily mean it's according to the spirit. Come on, say amen right there. 
So some guys hear the word, see the times, start looking with their natural eyes and go get caves and load up on produce and water and all these guns and stuff. And then they check out when they're supposed to be salt and light and take responsibility to their generation. And so, I, I mean, I, you know what? There's all kind of animals inside of Noah's Ark. I get it. You'll get that in a minute. <laughs> and, and they can do whatever they feel is the Lord. Who am I? But I'm just telling you that there's a responsibility upon us that are hearing and seeing what the Spirit of God is doing to be able to be Jesus with some skin on. And, and that you're able to do it in your places of engagement with your spheres and not just inside the four walls. Because how many of you had prophetic words and promises spoken over you? You're a prophetic church. I dare say every one of you, yes? Okay, they're not going to happen inside this room. You're going to have to get out of here to make them happen. Would you agree with me with that? I mean, this is not prophetic. This is just the way it is. That means that you're going to find your niche in God, and God is going to lead you because he's a good father. And the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, Jesus says, I'm not leaving you orphan. It's not a father only I'm giving to you. It's a spirit. The spirit goes a long way of taking away your orphan heart and mindset. Because when you start believing and moving according to his movement, then you get to places where you would never have gone on your own. And it has nothing to do with age. It's everything to do with maturity and how you pick up the frequency and walk with it. And so I've been reading a lot about John because I'm writing about revival according to John. And a lot of the buzzwords, because I get the privilege of traveling, I get to see a whole bunch of different churches and a whole bunch of different Let's just say different vintages of wine. Some are cheap wine, some are good wine, some are real expensive wine. That's rare. Some people that are small have incredible wine. It has nothing to do with the size of the congregation. Honestly, it, it really doesn't. It has everything to do with the size of heart and, 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 uh, and the ability to obey the Lord. And being free, like Bob Jones used to say, the pay is the same. Come on, remember when we used to say that? The pay is the same. Stop trying to be somebody else. Stop comparing yourself. No, just do what's in front of you. Like, like Heidi Baker would say, love the one in front of you. Go low and small and don't worry about being the big American success. Everything's big like y'all from Texas or something. I'm telling you, it doesn't work this way. Your, the pay is the same. Come on, say it. The pay is the same. So you can rest that if you just obey, you'll be okay. Do you understand? So it has nothing to do with you looking at somebody else and thinking, I wish when I grew up I'd be like that guy, or I wish I was an Oscar Mayer, you know. <laughs> it really has nothing to do with that. It's just be you. I, I, you know, I hate the word balance because... Because you need to be balanced, brother. It drives me crazy. No, you need to be in community, and the community balances you. You're open, you're humble, you're teachable, and you're, you don't think you're all that, but you're still intentional in who you are. And you're unafraid if somebody comes to you and says, you know what, yesterday you acted like a moron. Can you repent, please? And you not be offended. Come on, say amen. You don't get offended when somebody in love tells you no matter how old you are. I mean, you need to do it in love. Come on. Yeah. I was trying to be funny. 
You need to do it in love. You need to be respectful and honoring. But if you think you're all that, you're in, you're in a crash landing and you don't even know it. And God's trying to get us to places of meekness and humility to be able to handle community and show people what it's like to be loved for real by people who are very weak and are imperfect. Come on, there's no such thing as a perfect church. We've said that for years, right? And if you ever find one, the moment you walked in, you blew it for those guys. <laughs> it's just the way it is. We know in part, say amen. We need one another. And, and uh, even if you're the biggest CEO ever, I mean, you only know in part. You don't, you have, I, was, I had a real profound experience with Jesus. He said, you know why they're called blind spots? And never answer a question by God. <laughs> because he's not looking for information. Do you believe that? <laughs> and so I said, oh, no, why, Lord? Because you're blind. Hello? Because you don't see and you need others. And uh, you don't want to be codependent, but you want to be interdependent. And you want to be able to build something that sustains the pressure of life. And, uh, okay, that's my pet peeve. But anyway, so I started talking to John because John, revival according to John, it's the revival of true relationship. But it's truth and grace. It's not just grace and relationship and I let you do whatever. It's the only gospel that says truly, truly. It says the word truth and true more like three to one more than the rest of the other gospels. How many know that's significant? He introduces Jesus by truth. He's full of truth and grace. Now truth has always got to have his friends. It's never truth alone because truth alone is brutal. It'll hurt you. you I, I, I just want to keep it real, brother. No, you're being an insensitive Never mind. <laughs> you see, truth, truth for the sake of truth is not love. It, it's a resounding symbol. Bam. Truth always has to be with his friends. Truth working through love. Truth and grace. And you worship in spirit and in truth. So it's never, it's never just lifting your hands. It's lifting a life. Come on, right? Because real worship has nothing to do with music. I hate to say that to the music people you guys were awesome but if you don't have a heart of worship you can sing all you want you're not going anywhere actually the first guy that did that didn't go so well for him just saying all right so um so john it's also tremendously transitional in his language he sees things from above that's why from the first century they had a, the picture of the four creatures in both Ezekiel and John. By the way, you want a cool study? Look at the similarities between Ezekiel and John. It'll blow your mind. They both saw both the river. They both saw the tree. They both saw the breath and the beasts. And um, they're just different dispensations, but it's really insane how they parallel. But they picked John to be the, the eagle, to be the face of the gospel of John because he's the only gospel written f with a viewpoint of Jesus from above to the earth, not from the earth to above. 
He's got the strongest Christology. And I tell you, if you, this is the 500th year of, we're about to celebrate the 500th year of Reformation. Which really, from the time that Luther nailed at 95 theses, okay, because Reformation was not revival. It launched us in a hundred-year war. All right, and it started with King Henry VIII wanted a male heir and started killing his wives. How many know that's not revival? <laughs> Come on, ladies, you should definitely say amen to that. All right, so this is how it started. He wanted to pull out of the Catholic Church because they wouldn't give him a divorce. And so, but Luther was a monk with an attitude. He went to Rome, hated what he saw. A lot of good things came out of that, but some not so good things came out of that. So, but it's interesting that when he does that, he doesn't even think of it as a reformation. Like I said, he had pet peeves. He saw some stuff and was greatly disillusioned, but he would have never said this was going to turn into that. And right now, I'm telling you, worldwide, we're in a reformation and we're in revival and we don't even know it. Because it's not happening right in your backyard. But I'm telling you, around the nations of the earth and around continents, some things are happening and moving so quickly that when the, it's all said and done, we're going to be astonished what historians will speak about in this time. Now, if you put all the promises that require faith in the future when Jesus comes back, you'll miss what God is doing now. Please say amen to that. Like, you're like British. You say, hmm. That's what the British do, you know, hmm. I got to get those guys to speak up. Well, I tell them the kingdom of God is voice activated. You got to say something. Come on, that's just the way it is. You, can't, you can be quiet for a little while, but sooner or later, you better come out strong. You got to pray, prophesy, proclaim, preach. Come on. You can't just contemplate. See, play. Come on. You got to, you can't be nice and quiet. You're not the prey, you're the predator. You're not a victim. You're victorious. I don't care what happened to you. I don't want to be insensitive of what happened to you. But you got to leave the robes of that under the blood behind you. And uh, so we're in a reformation moment now. We're in revival now. You know, 15,000 Muslims get saved every two days. Between one and two days, 15,000. There's a million people getting saved every 10 days. The things that are going on are so outrageous, you don't see them in the news. I wonder why. Talk about fake news. We're all caught up in the things. It's like mag magic tricks. Look at my hand, look at my hand. Everything's going on here. Look at this, look at this. And this is the enemies, 10 spies talking to us the whole time. The 10 spies telling us how bad things are. Like we're all sheep getting about to be eaten. We're so bad. And over here, the two, come on, we're strong over here. God is big. We can do this. And see, we're listening to this and walking around in circles for all our generations. And God's trying to sneak, 
break our stride and move us into our land. Which, by the way, you're going to have to step in that water before they part. Because they ain't going to happen in this room. Come on, amen. amen. So I'm just saying that, you know, what's my... Okay, if I do have any apostolic, is this. Get your apostolic butts out the door. <laughs> go birth something. Go blast something. Go, I mean, in a good way. Be careful. I don't mean you to blow anything up. I want to make sure this is recorded. <laughs> and, and in context. <laughs> but you got to get out there and make things happen. That's where the action is. No wonder people are like boarding church. Why would that youth come? Well, come on, if we're all telling them everything's going to happen in the future, why care now? <laughs> I didn't mean to go here the first night. <laughs> you just met me. I can't even get to my notes. They might not be that good. <laughs> Plus, my wife is here. She says, I've heard everything you've said. No, you haven't. <laughs> I steal her notes. That's how I'm anointed. Um, what was I saying? Yes, John. He's the only one that doesn't say anything, his own name. He doesn't mention it in his writings, in the gospel. He says, calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. Now, the guy is either really, like, super arrogant or super healthy. Right? <laughs> He's, like, got identity down. And identity releases authority. You know that Paul wasn't allowed to talk about the third heaven, but John gets a wide open vision. And the angel goes, write it down. Peter looks at John leaning against Jesus' chest, and he doesn't even talk to Jesus direct. He goes to John, ask him. Ask him. What's he talking about? <laughs> Peter, he's the big cheese, right? He reveals, you know, you want to be, who wants to be real prophetic and profound? Okay, he reveals his secrets to his friends. But to be close to Jesus is a dangerous place. He burns, oh, so good. He's a consuming fire, his fiery eyes, his breath on you. Go from wind to breath. When you go, revival, yes. I mean, we don't believe the big bang for evolution, but we believe the big bang in the church. Come on, that's going to hit you in a minute. We just think revival's going to hit and solve your problems. My friend, history says revival hits and your troubles begin. And it doesn't go well for those that got the revival going, mostly. Come on, you better like nod or something. This is history. This is not just me. What I'm saying is we don't know what we're asking for. We're biblically illiterate. We're historically illiterate. We think we just arrived. We're just, we're like, we just, ta-da, we're here. 2,000 years worth of Christian history. And we just arrived. We're so existential. We really need to get a life, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Come on, we need to read more than the comics. I mean, in the spirit. Because... See, we can splash around in the river ankle deep, but commitment comes when you start losing control. And that's what the Western church hates 
the most. You're not to bother me. This is a two-year-old attitude <laughs> that God wants to really smack out of us. Come on, say amen. In a loving, fatherly way. For those that are sensitive in them. Why did God give you those two nice little globes in the back of you? <laughs> You'll get my jokes later anyway. John is a revival guy. John has the strongest Christology, the strongest revelation on the Father's heart. From John 12 to John 17, over 70 times he says the word Father. I mean, it's a masterful address. My mentor, Alan Vincent, used to call it the upper room discourse. It's just boom. And Father knows best, man. He really does. But so John also talks about shifts more than any. The gospel is about presenting the changes of of seasons, obviously. It's revealing Jesus to us. Um, and John does this in a major way. Look at John 1. When he talks John 1 about John the Baptist introducing Jesus, see, the fact is that there's at least four different kinds of time. Okay, there's eternal time, which is an oxymoron because eternity has no time. Right? How many know that you're not going to get eternal life? You have it right now. And see, one of the things we have to get away from is we're so bound by two, the date of when we're born and the date that when we die. We think that's the only time we existed. But God's been having a conversation with your, your DNA forever. He's been speaking DNA to you and, and putting stuff in you before the earth was formed. He's been having a conversation with you and who you are. He chose to manifest you in the 21st century. But he's been speaking to you. And alas, he's going to continue speaking to you well after you're gone from this earth. So there's a flow of no time, no limit, no space that you and I belong to. That if we don't realize that that's who we are, then we get stuck in the little nuances of this little world. If you live 80, 90, or 100 years, or your life and death is all about this. And you take your eye off the ball and strike out every time. Because God wants you to be aware of the time and season. Okay, you know what your time is? No time at all. There are no limits. And that you are limited in your away awareness of heaven because of your thoughts and your head and your spirit. Believing or not what the word says. Not because of what God has done. Before the foundation of the world, that lamb was slain for you. You've been covered forever. He doesn't see you as a sinner saved by grace. Augustine said that and kind of ruined it. for He had a point because people were so arrogant. He wanted to release humility. But God never calls you a sinner again. He calls you an heir. Come on, he calls you a son and a daughter. We were singing about that today, Yes. Yes, calls you a friend. Yes, he calls you weak. But he says, I'll be your strength. He's looking for your weakness. He wants you to put a demand on him according to what your weakness is, not your strength. He doesn't really care how strong you are. Are you kidding me? You really, your strength is what he called you for? He called you because of your weakness. 
He called you because you were not all that. Come on, tell somebody next to you. You're not all that. That's good news. See, the moment you're okay with your weakness is the moment that God can move on your behalf. Because they become strong there. See, but if you're limited in what you see eternal life, it's only like this is all. I was born here. I die here. That's all I got to play with. It's like I don't have enough toys to play. <laughs> it's like what? You got eternal toys. There's no limitation. The angels of heaven, the eyes opened up. Your spirit is a whole new reality here. But you're waiting for everything for Jesus to come and do it for you in the future. I'm telling you, you're missing the point. It's not the return that's a hope. It's Christ in you. So why are you so hopeless, oh church, oh church? Why do you walk around in despair? Because we don't believe that the hope-filled one inside of us can really get the job done. Like we want to crucify him over and over again. We want him to keep doing for us what he already did for us. Instead, like Spider-Man, I get all my theology from movies. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility come on <laughs> don't even get me started in this line <laughs> you've got the one that created the heavens and the earth inside and yet you're crying out like you're an orphan over here what are you kidding like, like i'm i'm just as bad i should be further down with all that i know and all that god's showing me and i've got hands laid on by lord have mercy i should be changing colors at this point <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to help you unless you step on those waters and move forward. The moment you say, yes, I take responsibility for what I've been called to do, that's when the fun begins. That's why the Bible says, 1 Timothy 1, 18, 19, fight the good fight according to the words spoken over you. Your life was fine until you got a prophetic promise that says, I'm going to take you from here to there. And you go, I'm going there, I'm going there. He didn't tell you there were alligators and tigers and lions on, as you were going. He just said, you're going. You're all fired up about the word until you saw the first set of teeth. And then there's a lion on the street. Yeah, right. All of a sudden, you're all freaked out. Did God say it or didn't he? And has he changed his mind? So your problems began, if you can call them problems, they're actually opportunities. But they began when you received the promise. When you had a prophetic word. And then, ta-ta, you need to cooperate with God to get that bad boy done. And the moment you step in, the waters, they part. And you got the ark with you. And all these people. And, you know, pioneers. You're a pioneer in church. And, you know, pioneers, like the gladiators, they get bloodied. The first guy's out the gate. They get bloodied so that the rest can come out the gate. You don't like it? Take it up with the boss. I didn't call you. Did he call you? Did he anoint you? Did he appoint you? Come on, did he or didn't he? So you just say, thank you, Lord, may I have another. And here you are running around getting other prophetic words because you're not willing to do the first one you got. It's Christian horoscope. 
because you're all disobeying the first one. You didn't even want to go that bad. I said, no, just give me another one. I don't like that one. Nobody puts on their <laughs> refrigerator door in this life. You will suffer persecution. But fear not, little lamb. <laughs> Nobody's going to put that up there. You're going to get, no, you're blessed. You're rich. You're fat. Yeah. Go get another Big Mac. Glory to God. Nobody's going to say, you're going to suffer for Jesus and you're going to like it because you're going to be filled with joy. No. Everybody wants everything easy, instamatic, instant rice, microwave, and God's into marinade. And you're into microwave. And you know what? God never changes. So guess who's going to? And so that's what I mean when I say we have to grow up. I have to grow up. I just got a gazillion. Now we got this stuff that we record them. You know, this is like, this is torture. I'm reading this stuff. I don't want another word. Stay away from me. You have a word for me? Stay away. I'll give you a word. You want another fight? I'll give you another prophetic word. Every prophetic word is an invitation for a scrap. You want another one? I'll help you. I, but I need one to confirm. Confirm 10 more times to obey what God said the first time. Because of our unbelief, my brothers and sisters, the West is really, really bad at this. See, in the East, when they get a word from God, they, they say, turn right. They turn right. And they turn right because they believe he's sovereign, he's God, and I can care less what happens. I'm right. I turn right. In the West, you get a word, you turn right, and the whole time you're wondering, what's on my left? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Put that verse on your refrigerator. Don't give me ammunition, Miles. You're crazy. I'm bad enough as it is. <laughs> See, my whole MO is I crack jokes, lower your guard, and then punch you in the side. <laughs> I'm having fun tonight. Listen, the Holy Ghost is waiting for me out the door there in my car. You think I don't have to live this? It's like preachers are somehow excluded. It's like ignorance before daylight, honest. She got my joke. Thank you, sister. I will pray for you and prophesy to you. <laughs> Even if you don't want to fight. <laughs> oh, my word. I was talking about John, but it went off the reservation quick. But I feel very free here. I like you guys. You can handle the truth because you've been around prophetic things. How many of you are into manifestation of those prophecies? Are you tired of hearing stuff? How many want to see the stuff? How many are you ready for? See, and the first thing that those guys, oh, God cuts off the manna from heaven the moment they stepped in their promised land. The little, I had to wing you off, your mother's. I'm not going there, but you get it. <laughs> I had to wing you off the manna. 
Had to wean you up. Now you're in. Now no more manna. Now you got to eat of the produce of the land. Yes. And by the way, this is my first thing I'm going to do with you. Yeah, let's go stick a city. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. But this is the first thing. I'm going to circumcise y'all right here near you. <laughs> How many of you know the, the faces of those guys when they were told by Joshua that this was the next step? How many of you know he missed the Lord? <laughs> you guys could certainly say amen right here. Why didn't you do it when we were on the other side, when the enemies were not near us? Why are you waiting we're coming to the... Why are you waiting? Your troubles begin when revival comes. <laughs> then you have to really not trust in yourself or on yesterday's bread. You got to trust in the living bread. You got no other way to run but to trust Jesus. He's trying to kill your self-sufficiency. Kill your selfish ambition. And he just lets you lie there. Buzzards everywhere. You're lying there going, oh, why did I sign up for? I didn't want this prophetic word. Yes, you did. <laughs> Cowboy up, buddy boy. <laughs> Cowgirl up too. You didn't get circumcised. But Lord have mercy, you should have with us. <laughs> Everyone suffers. Misery loves company. <laughs> No, they were behind over there. Pray. I mean, what are you going to say? The first command. He's kept you 40 years over there. You're thinking, is this or 40 more? <laughs> Moses was the greatest youth leader ever. Took all the youngsters and raised them up as warriors in the desert. Say the desert. I mean, the first place the Spirit leads Jesus into. It, the Spirit led him into it. To, to test his identity in God. To test the word of the Lord. To test his resolve. So we got to stop whining and be winners. We need to stop calling prayer whining. Please, God, please. I understand the cry of the Lord. Come on, I'm in fun. <laughs> Don't laugh because it makes me laugh, but we'll never get through this. <laughs> but it's like we're whining and calling a prayer. Or we're, mach we're machine gun. We throw, like, how many of you play when you were a kid? <laughs> I'm going retro now. Did you get toilet paper and get it wet and throw it up in the air and see what it would stick up in the. My, it, I used to drive my mom bananas with this. Did, nobody else did this? Oh, yeah, I did it in my house. I was worse. <laughs> I would throw it up and say, oh, it's stuck. It's stuck. That one's stuck. All right, this is kind of like how we do prayer. It's like we're throwing all this stuff up there to see what sticks. Yeah. And, and I'm saying God wants, like, his love language is his word. We pray according to that, we'll be okay. When you expect that you're the answer to your own prayer. That you're going to have some skin on this thing or it's not going to work. Come on, you got to have some skin in this thing or it's not going to work. And this is what David said. How can I offer up to God a sacrifice without a cost to me? Like, yeah, money. I mean, you got to baptize your wallet if you want revival. 
Come on, say amen, New England. It's just the way it is. But you've got to baptize your heart, your mind, your emotions, the things that you're doing, the same old, same old that kind of bore fruit a little bit back in the day. But it's like now it's like God teach us how to pray. Teach us what's in your heart. Let's say how this is novel. Let's say hello to Jesus a little while before we pull out the grocery list <laughs> of stuff we'd like him to do for us. Be a friend. He takes from the Father and reveals it to his friends. So your lack of wisdom or direction, if you're seeking God for wisdom and direction, ask yourself, am I a friend or am I a hireling? What kind of relationship do I have with Jesus? Am I expecting somebody? Do I still need Moses in my life to go get it and bring it to me in bite sizes? Don't look at me like this. You know what I'm talking about. How many know what I'm talking about? Moses is dead. Stop trying to make your pastors and ministers and apostles and prophets and possums. And all those guys, the ones that need to go up there and get it for you. Come on, you got the same Holy Ghost. Come on, say, I have the same Holy Ghost. I know you know this. I'm just trying to remind you. That's all. Because at the end of the day, you know what? This is a sobering. I, gotta, I can count my real, real friends in my hands. I know a lot of people. You know, I travel 250 days a year. How many know I've met some folk? All right? But at the end of the day, my wife and I and my family seeking the Lord together is us versus the world. <laughs> it's what God speaks to us. And then all the circus of friends gather around and confirm stuff to us. But hardly ever do they shock us because we, we go to be with God first. Once in a while you get shocked, which should happen to stretch you. But, but come on, you got to have it going on yourself. John is a hero to me. You know, he doesn't, he's called an apostle and there's no record he ever planted a church. He's an apostle to the church. Like, it's not just you vertically. I'm so in love with you. No, it's you vertically. It's you loving God and loving his kids. Like, you got to get along with the other kids in the park. Or it's not happening. Come on, say amen, right? Amen. There's a shift in the season. But, and everybody, so what's the shift? You know, everybody says something's about to happen. But nobody can tell you what it is. High-level prophets everywhere. There's a shift in the season. Say shift. Can you say shift until you almost don't want to say what you, almost you could say? <laughs> How many you know one letter makes all the difference? Say amen. You know, in Europe, they don't even consider our bad words bad words because they don't understand them anyway. We think we just arrived with us Americans. I tell you, the world is not waiting for us. The shift in revival and reformation is coming east to west, south to north. Let me tell you, the only ones left behind is the Western church. We're still watching movies and singing, Oh, fly away, oh Jesus. 
singing somebody done somebody wrong songs. <laughs> you know what those are? Dude, let's never repeat them again. I'm in a kind mood tonight. <laughs> Full of love and compassion, as you can tell. I'm just saying, rude awakening before great awakening. Step into maturity, my friends. You can do it. You can get in and be filled with God. You can get in and awaken your soul to sing. You should prophesy to yourself. You know, I'm depressed. I need 15 people to lay hands on me. No, you need to prophesy to yourself. Awaken. I will hope in the Lord. I will sing to the Lord a new song. Your praise shall be continuously in my mouth. You are my rock. You are my shield. You are my sword, my son. You started it. You will finish it. Come on, somebody. You're the strong tower. You're my morning star. I don't have to go to morning star. You're my morning star. <laughs> I just had to do that. You know. Because God is good. And he has been having a conversation with your DNA forever. Is that what you're hearing? Well, I just, I just wanted to, I keep on seeing this and I, I just need to say it because I wanted to encourage you because I do believe you are in a great place, but I wanted to make you aware of something that God is actually making me aware of also. So I'm speaking to myself in this also. Um, and what I wanted to encourage you is that I believe that um, this is like a word of wisdom I believe that you can get very quickly to your destination, at least the next destination in your life, by uh, simply uh, obeying God. And I, this is what I hear. I hear that God has been speaking to you over and over, still small voice, just very simple things, like call your mother, remember to talk to your teacher remember you know what I mean? and over it's been like ongoing more than one time you've heard it and we miss the profoundness of obedience to that because our eyes are so focused in something great but i wanted to encourage this god told me maria your great thing will come because you obey those things and because i I lost the fear of his very still, small voice that is speaking things very quietly, that I am missing it. I am missing those things. Is the reason why I enter into warfare. The reason I enter into personal warfare. And you start going, you have to go encourage yourself and call and pray for me. And the reason some of that is, not all of that, but some of that is, is because of you have stepped out of that obedience. That obedience would have kept you shielded. That's one thing. And the other thing that I felt is that God has given you a, that, that simple little voice that you hear is very connected to the big thing that you have 
never put together. I mean, come on. I mean, you have a word from God. There's a business. God is going to open the door. And on the other side, you are like, read to your son at night and pray for him. And you're like, come on. And you kind of forget because it's simple. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, God, and you spend that time praying for your business. God, I thank you. The prophetic man told me. And I believe and I receive it and I speak it. And God, it's like you go to bed and I'm like, shoot, I forgot. That shoot I forgot <laughs> is key to that other stuff. I'm telling you, although it may not look like it. And what I've seen in my personal life is that the moment I obey God telling me to read to my son, four-year-old, something in the story I'm reading jumps at me that has to do with that. I'm just giving you a little loop there to understand the Lord. Uh, and you know that because you've, you've experienced that. And also saw, I also saw a door here. That was something you see. You see an opportunity right here. Say it's, a, it's a, a red door of opportunity. You see it. It's been prophesied. You read this, the word and you know it's there. And you're standing here unable to get to that door. And what I felt is like the Lord had given you the key, which is obedience. And there is something here that keeps you from getting to that one. And it's transparent door but you don't see it it's there but you don't see it because it's very immediate that is in your future and your eyes are so focused in the future you cannot see your present and you're not aware of the moment the now things that are around the still small voice you know what i'm saying and i believe that is our key to run this race and get there quickly because it will happen eventually. You know what I'm saying? You will eventually. God is going to knock you out. And he'll say, dear God, I've been saying this forever. When you, you know, and you're oops. And then you go into this next door. You know what I'm saying? So since you were saying about that, I, I had to. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. That's good. It's those practical things. I had a dream. And in this dream, there was uh, an amazing door, ornament full of gold, and it was amazing. A gate I'd never quite seen. I knew there was a gateway. And then I saw the ridiculous, like, almost like foolish little key that it took to open it. It was like it didn't match. You know what I'm saying? When you, yeah, but when you go through all the trouble of making a door that amazing, come on, do the key too. <laughs> but the Lord spoke to me. It's those little things that seem so insignificant, so practical. And you think, like Maria was saying, that's so good, honey. It's, it's so practical. It's, it doesn't seem like they're connected, and yet it's the key to open up. And, and so uh, let me try to land this and pray for you, yeah? So I said, there's, there's eternal time. I've got a lot to say about this. I'm researching for it. But anyway, I have eternal. Then there is chronological time, right? You know, the times, the past, the present, the future, what time it is. I know it's, it's near Gunsmoke. No, it's like whatever show it is that you got to watch the football game. That's right. And uh, there's that time, 
Then there are Kairos moments. We all understand opportunity, times of opportunity. That's also a timeline. But there's also seasons of time. Now, in a season, there could be a lot of opportunity times and, and a number, teach me the number of the days, kind of chronological time that you have to do in order to fulfill your season. Someone says you'll bear your fruit in your season. And I dare say that if you miss the fruit, you're frustrated trying to grow a different fruit out of season. So you're all there going, I want to do this when God says, but I want to grow this. But I want to do this, but I want to grow this. This season is about this fruit, not about that which is coming. You need this to get to that. And, there, and don't miss the opportunity to harvest this. So discipline yourself in your time for the days are evil. Redeem it. So there's a combination. And the source, eternal life. So, so you're sourced by eternal life. Understanding the season you're in, and by the way, it doesn't work according to Roman calendar or even Jewish calendar. It works according to God's calendar, which means that he's willing to let you walk around 38 years. How many of you don't want that? Please go like this. All right? So, so here is God saying, obey me quickly so that you're in the season, and every season is good if every step is with God. So even if it's painful, because you're walking with them, it's worth it. Does that make sense? So here's the scene. And see, in, in John 1, I didn't even get to read it. Andrew is one of the disciples that hears John says, Behold the Lamb of God. This is in John 1, 35 and 38, to 38. Behold the Lamb of God. Andrew is one of the first apostles mentioned. He hears, and it's like, behold the Lamb of God. It's like John says, take a good look at Jesus. He's about to shift everything. <coughs> and, and the response of the disciples, when they heard the noise, Mark, when they heard the sound of this command, behold the Lamb. The word you're going to behold, they, they looked at John. And John the Apostle, John the Baptist, who was... The, the, he was the fresh move of God, wasn't he? 400, it took 400 years for him to be revealed after Malachi. <laughs> he was the fresh move, and at the same time, his, his job is to close the season. He's both the, the new and the old at the same time, pointing to the season that was ahead, pointing to the, what's going to happen. Here's John encapsulating all these things. And John is a great discipler because he, he, he teaches his disciples. I mean, he's eating. Come on, after 400 years, you think God would come in nice and gentle. <laughs> That's a contagious laugh. I, I mean, 400 years, you think it would have been nice to Israel. He came as a Gucci prophet, you know. He was dressed in Armani clothing or something, smelling like the plum grenades of the east. He comes in wearing camel hair out of the desert because the spirit of Elijah also comes out of the desert. He comes in eating crickets. Come on, he could God was trying to offend the mind to reveal the heart. He didn't come real nice, real cushy, real soft. He got like, he's probably sitting in a grandfather in a fire out in the desert talking to his disciples. Come on, you see him, follow him. <laughs> Sharing grasshoppers with one another. 
I'm telling you, this, this, he trained them so well because when they saw, heard, they went, John, you're awesome, dude. Hated the grasshoppers, but you're awesome. <laughs> and like the apostles, when Jesus called them, dropped the nets and followed. That's Eastern discipleship. Come on, say amen, Westerners. They said, dropped everything and followed. They said, John, they, see, John trained these guys not to follow ministry, but follow the spirit. Follow the kingdom. Follow the king. Behold the lamb. Not follow the lion. It's easy to follow the lion. Who wants to follow the lamb? The lamb, yeah, exactly. The lamb, like Aslan, He's good, but he ain't safe. They're, they're the first stalkers of the apostolic age. They're walking behind Jesus. What are we doing? I don't know. Just keep walking. <laughs> he said to follow him. He hasn't said a word. Just keep walking. Jesus turns around. What do you see? The first conversation, Jesus and future apostles. Uh, 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 Rabbi, uh, where are you staying? First answer in the apostolic age. Ready? Come and see. So they go. Right? The first command in an apostolic age was relational. It was not ministerial, theological. He was a deep, come, come and see. But you see, people go and see prophetically conferences, books, tapes. They travel the nations. We want to get hands laid on by the Chinese brothers, by the Guatemalan brothers, by the Argentinian brothers. Surely something will stick. <laughs> but, oh, no, obey? We can do that right at home and free. Oh, come on. That's supposed to be funny, but true. <laughs> so they came, they saw, and they stayed. And he comes out the next day. Okay, they went in thinking, Rabbi. They come out, Andrew, first evangelist, goes to Simon, his brother. We found the Messiah. How do you go from Rabbi to Messiah? In one night, from wind to breath, bro, up close and personal, they saw him, they stand and said, we got to follow this dude. And then Peter later gets it. Who else? Because Jesus, come on, gentle Jesus, you got to eat my flesh, drink my blood. <laughs> Unless you got no part of me. You're leaving too? Are you leaving? You're leaving, aren't you? And John is going... Don't put, uh, Peter's like, don't put me under pressure, dude. Who else has words of what? The timeline, right? Eternal. I've caught the time now. No time. I believe you're in a new season, but you've got to make up your mind. It's going to cost you. And it's good. And it's right. And I know maybe you've had a rough life, but it's worth it. 
if you see Jesus and seek him, it's worth it. I'm preparing my heart. My son thinks I have some kind of a crazy. Everywhere I go, a week later, something blows up, you know. But Belgium, France, and Germany, and all this. Now I'm going into the <laughs> Middle East. And I'm just saying, okay, you told me to go. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I hope everything's said, my wife, my son. You know what I mean? They'll cost you everything, but you gain everything. And you're not limited by birthdays and tomb dates. So you want a new season for real? Stand to your feet. Come on. Look, I just, um, come on, just talk to Jesus right where you are. You know you. You know what you're running from. You know what God has spoken to you. You know that giving gifts and words inside the four walls is comfortable. But if you're going to be weird, I respect you more if you're weird in Walmart. Larry Randolph used to say this all the time. I don't care if you shake. I don't care if you fall. Just make sure you're consistent. Do it in Walmart. Do it in Denny's. Then I buy it's true and it's not cultural. Come on, say amen, right? So, so you know who you are. You know where you are. I'm just so hungry for you to be everything that you are. I see. We just had Kim Clement go be with the Lord. He used to have that. See you in the future. And you look so much greater than you look right now. Do you remember that? He used to sing that all the time. He's having fun tonight. Well, it's not night. <laughs> you know what? Just right there where you are, repent. For disobedience, for being afraid to move forward, for vacillating, wanting three or five different confirmations to do that which God told you already, for being discontent for the season you're in, and you'll be discontent until you obey and bear the fruit of the season. And don't worry about having all the answers. You don't need to have all the answers. Just obey Him. Just follow, just love Him. Just respect and honor that He knows what He's doing. Come on, how many of you know he knows what he's doing? He's been having a conversation with your DNA forever. He knows exactly who you are, exactly your call, exactly every step you should take. He's written about you before the foundation of the earth. He's written it in books. You guys know this. This is the essence of the prophetic, to take a peek inside the writings of God. season all right all across the earth 
The news doesn't know what they're saying. Leaders don't know what they're saying. Business doesn't know. The markets are going to tank. We're up at 19,000. Nobody knows what they're saying. It's nothing to do with this guy or that guy. It's everything to do with God saying, I'm going to play with their minds right now. I'm going to mess with all their compasses. I'm going to shift the times and the seasons. I'm going to move in such ways they're so confused they're going to have to come to me. And I'm going to do it first with my people. I'm going to drive them out of the little comforting little chairs. Let me have a nice little butt warmer inside a church building with nice little AC. And little, Look, I'm not against any of that. I'm telling you, your fulfillment is outside those doors. I'm going to... Re- I love that song you sang today. The restoration of joy comes when you're taking the enemy's plunder from his camp. The restoration of joy when you hear the sound of the celebration in heaven. When God blesses and kisses the land, not just people. And you know, he's not angry about it and he's not angry with us. How many know that's good news? Our father just says, come on, take another step. So if you're brave enough, I'm just going to give you just a prophetic thing. I feel like there's a moment that's going to turn into a movement for you. And I want to ask you in a few seconds to just take a step forward and just with boldness. And I'm telling you, something's going to release in you that's not magical. Say amen. Amen. You're still going to have to put on pants tomorrow morning. You're still going to have to read your Bible, pray, get in faith. You're still going to have to move into the position that God's called you. But there's a resolve in you. I believe there's an impartation for the new season. I'm carrying this right now. A faith to say, yes, I might have failed in the past, but this is not that anymore. Come on, say, this is not that. So I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your heart to be imparted into them. I pray the power of the blood of Jesus to make everything new. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would release. Remind them what you spoke to them, God. Remind them the promises that you've spoken over this house. Remind them of the prophetic words that they've received from many people, even in their lives. Remind them about their children. Remind them about their marriages. Remind them about their neighborhoods. Remind them about their land and their inheritance. Remind them, God. Remind them that you are king and you are Lord. And nothing moves unless you allow it to, God. Remind them that they have the power to make wealth, God. That you would prove the covenant. Remind them, God, that greater are you inside of them than he that is in the world. Remind them that hope is never lost. It's just misplaced for a little while. Remind them that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. And the lame can walk and the dead can be raised. Remind them, God, that a generation longs to run. That the old, the middle... The young, the toddlers, there is no junior Holy Ghost. Remind them, God, that the kingdom is at hand. It's not just coming. It's here. It's now. It's in the Holy Ghost. Come on, put your hand on your belly right now. Father, I speak strength in their inner man. I 
that salvation spring forth from the ground, from their very heart, fountains of living water, as you said, Jesus. According to the riches of glory, I pray release power in their inner man and woman. Pray the encouragement to break every chain like we sing, to break every chain, to break every chain. That we would make God large and the devil small. Come on, say it. I'm going to make God large and the devil small. I'm going to stop looking at the report of the ten spies and believe that God has given us the land. Come on, say God in you, every promise is yes and amen. Come on, say it. Yes and amen. Right now. I pray for joy and glory to come inside. And all your worry and anxiety. Some of you have this weight of things on your shoulders you shouldn't be carrying. Come on, let... Hear the sound of those dead things fall to the ground right now. Just drop them off your shoulders. You don't need to be carrying all this stuff, carrying the past, carrying all these things that you shouldn't have even involved yourself with to begin with. Come on, in Jesus' name, you need to learn how to say no without, come on, without guilt. Some of you keep saying yes and you wonder why you're tired. Well, hello. Come on, drop him off of you. Come on, in Jesus' name, shake the dust of the past. Your burdens are yokes of the old season. The things that you, you went to the cookie jar so often, so long, for so many years, but now there's no more cookies there anymore. So, you know, it's like this financial book, Who Moved the Cheese? I don't know if you read it or not, but... When the cheese is moved, when the season's gone, it's going to test what kind of mouse you are. (laughs) You're either going to go back to the place where there used to be cheese and magically think that there's going to be cheese there again. Or you're going to go back and say, there's no more cheese. (laughs) Or you're going to be the type of mouse that will go look for cheese because somewhere, somebody's having a good meal. This is that right here, right now. It's the age of personal responsibility. It's the age of saying yes to Jesus continuously, though it's tough until it gets easy. Until you build your muscles in the spirit in such a way that what used to be hard becomes joy-filled because you're walking with Him. Come on, say, I'm going to take responsibility. I have to. It's that season. So, I'm going to ask you to take a step forward in a second. Just leave that snake skin behind. Come on, you know what I mean. (laughs) Just leave that behind you. Take a step forward and say, in Jesus' name, I'm I'm going to get a hold of eternal life. And I'm going to start, I'm going to stop... Come on, I'm going to stop trying to be a good Christian. Come on, say amen to that right there. You're horrible at it. Stop it. Enter into Him. 
Come on, enter into Jesus. And, and just say yes. 